0: day another news alert or breaking news about the coronavirus. It is Sunday and all bars and restaurants are being shut down on Monday. Nobody is supposed to go to these to try to prevent the spread of this coronavirus. COVID-19 is the, I guess, scientific name, we'll call it that. But this is all pretty crazy. I mean, I've been keeping... This podcast updated with everything that is going on in the world with this coronavirus. And every day it just seems more serious and more serious and more serious. I have been, you know, in the preventive nature, like being precautious about everything the whole way through. Tried to distance my way from people, not because of the people, but because of things like this. And, you know, the governor said in a speech, he was like, you know, young people are out here celebrating and carrying stuff around like we need to be on lockdown so this won't happen i mean we're here i mean this seems like a movie it seems like i'm watching netflix of all of our lives right now if you look on facebook i'm sure you know somebody that works in the restaurant or bar business whether it's an owner a bartender a server delivery driver a bus boy whatever i am sure every single person that is listening to this right now knows somebody that works in that industry so obviously lives are being affected affected every single day from this thing, just more and more and more and more. And we don't know how far it's gonna go. Like I said on the last episode, you know, I work at a bank. I deal with people and money every single day. I'm not necessarily touching money every day. I do touch it, but just maybe not every day. It just depends on what kind of customers I get and if that is part of the transaction. But a friend told me, and then I looked in some research, this coronavirus can stay on money for 24 hours. So how does that work we're passing around these germs this virus every day all day every second money is being handed from one person to another any kind of industry so it's super crazy wow i, I don't know what they're gonna do <laughs> i have no idea what they're gonna do i have seen things where they're talking about you know at least two weeks of pay for the workers that are not allowed to go to work or, or things like that so i'm not getting super scared that people are not going to be able to live and pay their bills and stuff like that. Not yet, anyway. And it hasn't affected me. I have not got a call saying, hey, you're not going to work, or, you know, we're closing up the bank for till March 30th. That seems to be the day. That seems to be the date that we're working with here, March 30th, for all shutdowns of schools, colleges, everything else. Some colleges are going a little further. They're extending their spring breaks. But regardless, March 30th seems to be like the day that You know, right now, they're saying, hey, we're going to let up then. But it could extend. It could be way further than that. We have no idea. We have no idea what's going to happen. None of us. I'm kind of getting tired of talking about coronavirus. But at the same time, this is current events. This is going on right now. Kind of documenting what is happening in the world right now. This is never-before-seen stuff, things that we're going to talk about for the rest of our lives. Things that people that are not even born yet are going to know about because it will be in history books. It is going to affect our lives from now on. I don't know if we're gonna have to wear gloves every day of our life or masks or anything like that. But I bet you the interaction with humans, human beings, your friends, your family, anybody that you know is going to be reduced a little bit. At least least for the time being, it is already. Everybody's on lockdown because we're scared of sharing something, sharing this virus. So, I mean, we could see a future where interaction is cut down or not warranted or you know not appreciated the way it is before we have no idea what's going to happen and it's all really really crazy but since it's really crazy and it is affecting everybody that we know every single buddy is being affected somehow by this coronavirus i am going to do a two-part series from college kids that were you know had to move out of the dorms Got to take online classes instead of going to actual classes. Their whole life changed in a matter of minutes. Minutes. So this episode, we are on episode 60. I have Olivia Lawley, who is a graduate from Putnam County. She was a state qualifier in track. She was a hurdler. And now she's attending Loyola University in Chicago. She joins us on this episode. Had a great talk. I've always liked talking with her, chatting with her. She's phenomenal. I actually reached out to her probably about a month ago. She is a member of the Loyola Band and was going to play at both tournaments, like the men's and women's basketball tournaments. And she was really excited and I was excited for her. So I had reached out and I'm like, hey, this would be really cool to talk about, especially March Madness, it would be awesome. Well, then school got canceled. Then she finds out she has a week to move from Chicago back to her home base in Putnam County, Granville. So life changing crazy quickly. The second part of this dealing with the coronavirus from the college kid perspective. Sorry, I don't know why I'm calling them kids. They're students, they're grown people now. Why am I calling you a kid? I'm sorry. You're not a kid. You're a grown human being. And I love talking with Olivia. And I also love talking with Aaron Bakake from Hall High School. She is a sophomore at Lewis University. Got to speak with her kind of the same the same means but different perspectives. I mean, she has some other stuff going on too. She's a, a biology major and she can't do labs now. And she's worried about like, okay, I got these online classes, but how am I supposed to do the work that I was supposed to do? And she made a good point. And I'm not gonna say anything else about either interview because we're gonna, you're gonna listen to both of them, hopefully. <laughs> But Erin says, if I wanted to take online classes, you know, I would have enrolled in an online school. Unfortunately, we're in a weird time and things are getting changed regardless whether we want them to or not. But she's like, ah, it's kind of weird for me. We're going to listen to two different perspectives of this coronavirus from people that were greatly affected by this coronavirus. Like I said, Olivia Lawley from Putnam County at Loyola University on this podcast, episode 60. And then episode 61... Hopefully will be out tomorrow is Aaron Bakaki from Hall and now Lewis University. That is all I'm going to talk about coronavirus, me personally on this intro, talk about it with Olivia and then the next episode with Aaron. We also talk about other stuff too. I found out some cool stuff about what Olivia likes to eat and watch on TV when she's just bumming around. Talk to Aaron about and what her plans are during this break. Hopefully you enjoy those interviews. Again, great people to talk to. Had a great time speaking with both of them. Lots of laughs and jokes throughout both interviews. Well, why I am home from coronavirus, at least it's Sunday, so, you know, I don't have to go to work yet. Tomorrow, I'll go to work. But (laughs) over the weekend, I have not left my house. I have stayed here. My mom came over on Saturday. Love my mom. I couldn't tell her no. (laughs) I would never tell my mom no. Hey, you can't come over and visit your son. So she came over and we you know, played some video games, we played Overcooked 2. She loves the game and it's a lot of fun. If you've not played Overcooked 2, it's a lot of fun. So is Overcooked 1. What you're doing is you're just trying to make orders of sushi and pizza and hamburgers and all kinds of stuff. I think I'm up to cakes now. <laughs> you got flour and eggs and you gotta cut up chocolates. And the board maps are fun. Like, fire's being thrown at you, you gotta run around it, you're on a hot air balloon, you're on like a log raft. On the river, you're all over the place. It's a lot of fun, a lot of cool things. They did a good job with a pretty cheap video game and in, in the essence of video game spending, I guess. Also been watching some old wrestling stuff from like 98, 99. Just watched WWF. I'm gonna say F because it was at that time. WWF Backlash from 1999. Austin and The Rock, the main event. I didn't watch it when I was younger, so I've been going back and watching that stuff. I don't really like wrestling, now, but that was my childhood with Austin, Rock, Undertaker, Bret Hart, Macho Man, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, you can call me a loser or a nerd if you want to, but I liked wrestling back in the day. It's like a soap opera for kids and men. And women watch it, too. I know lots of women WWE fans that know just as much or more than I do, so it is what it is. Gonna kick it to Olivia... Thank you for joining us, Olivia. Appreciate it. And thank you, listeners, for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Don't know where you're listening to this one, but if you want to switch it up or word of mouth and share this podcast with your friends, family, and other people that listen to podcasts, much appreciated. We are on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. Social media-wise, we are on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast. And Twitter at Edge of Your CP. Try to keep some updates. All the shows are posted on all social media. If there's things like there's a couple days where there's not a show, you know, I'll let you know when the next one's coming. Sometimes I'll drop who the next couple guests are, things like that. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions, anything that you want to speak to Edge of Your podcast about, there's an email, edgeofyourcpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email about anything you want to. I'll definitely respond and we'll have a chit-chat. Since the last podcast was with Roanoke Benson, boys basketball coach, Abe Zeller, this one with Olivia Lawley, the next one with Aaron Bakaki. if you are interested in talking about the coronavirus and how it's affecting your life or your kids or anything like that, feel free to message on Facebook or Twitter or send me that email. I would love to speak about everybody's different perspective. We all live different lives, and this is affecting everybody on a different way. I mean, like I said, it hasn't shut down my job yet. So it is different than if you work at a bar or restaurant, things like that. What if you're a lawyer or, you know, whatever? Everything is changed depending on what you're doing in life. So if you would like to chit-chat, share your story, I would love to hear it, and I'm sure our listeners would too because they're going through some of the same things. So to hear people share similarities or differences even just to know what is happening in our world it's a crazy thing but that's why i love podcasts i've learned stuff from every single one that i ever listened to even at your podcast it's a beautiful thing well all right i'm gonna let you go let's kick it to olivia until next time which will be tomorrow i say hopefully but i'm gonna get one up tomorrow definitely it's gonna be aaron bakaki she'll be up until next time peace So if you've been paying attention to the news, or if you are live, out of a closet, you are witnessing this coronavirus thing going on, schools shut down, colleges shut down, every single professional, high school, college, sports, league, season, all canceled or suspended, something that none of us have ever seen before, I have talked to elderly 80, 70, 60-year-olds that are like, I have never seen nothing like this before. So it's not just us that haven't seen it. And my guest today, Olivia Lawley, is going through it just like the rest of us. Second year at Loyola and is now having to move out of her dorm room and kind of restart life right in the middle of a semester. Olivia, please, what is going on?
1: Well, I feel like you've captured it quite accurately just in your opening statement. Um, I mean, I was in class last week. We've been, This is our first week back um, from spring break, and there were just mumblings about like other schools closing down, but all our teachers were like, we're going to prepare for it, but it's not going to happen. And I was like, okay. So I had to prepare to like get Skype and Zoom downloaded on my computer, but like we didn't take it seriously. And then Thursday, I was actually packing to get ready to go to um, Hoops in the Heartland to watch the women's basketball team and play in the band for them. I got the email that we weren't going to be allowed to go anymore. And I was like, Oh, wow, okay, so maybe this is a little more serious, because just a week prior, we had gone to St. Louis with the men's team. Then I woke up to get ready for work and stuff at 8, doing my hair and everything, and then at 8.30, we got an email that said, basically, all classes are postponed, and... We will be starting online classes, and that was the first thing I read, so immediately I text my friends, and I'm like, I can't believe it. Like, I I, And everyone was really upset because part of the reason that we come to a school like Loyola is because we're really fortunate enough to have professors that are incredibly engaging, and that in-classroom experience is really important to us. So we were very upset. I have a lot of friends in the arts community since I am a music minor, and basically what that meant for us was... All our concerts for us this semester are cancelled, we can't rehearse anymore, we don't get to play together, all the senior recitals have been cancelled, basically it was all just done. I didn't even finish reading the email until someone mentioned like, when do you have to leave? And I just kind of like looked at my screen I'm like, leave? And then I read the rest of the email and it said I had to be out in a week. And truthfully, I just broke down and started crying, called my mom, and I couldn't believe that I had to just leave everything behind because, I mean, I grew up in Putnam County. I Obviously, I know how to live there and everything, but I don't know, living in Chicago for the past two years, I've adjusted to a new environment, and it really was hard to understand that I have to leave this all behind that I wasn't even gonna come home this summer. I was in the process of looking for an apartment. So it was really hard. And a lot of people had a similar experience People who work for the university, like work in the residence halls, they're basically gonna lose their job for work-study compensation. Actually Loyola is trying very hard to make it so they can keep getting work-study in one form or another. I work in the, I'm the Music Marketing Communications Associate for the Department of Fine and Performing Arts. They're trying to figure out how I can work remotely, being back in Putnam County. So it's, there's just a lot up in the air right now. We still don't know, I don't know when we're gonna start online classes i don't know what i'm really gonna do next but that's been the beginning of it
0: (laughs) it is super crazy i mean my my thoughts are with you i know you know nobody's passed away nothing like that but just the uh, the abruptness of how things are happening like hey you know next week you have to find someone else to live hey, next week, the classes, the music stuff, everything that you're doing is stopping. Like, you have to change your whole way of life. My thoughts are with you, no doubt about that.
1: No, yeah, I appreciate that. I do want to say, I haven't come across any students at Loyola, at least. No one sees this as a vacation. Like, it's no one's like, oh my god, yay, we get to go home early. I haven't met one person that feels like that. But I also have not talked to anyone that thinks this is stupid, basically. Like, we understand why they are doing this. It's a national emergency. I mean, we understand it just, and we know it's going to get better, but it just has to stuck first, basically. But we we don't think that it's unjust. It's just we're all kind of reeling from it happening right now.
0: Definitely, and I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, if you look on Facebook or Twitter, tons of posts, comments about, you know, the flu kills more people, car accidents kill more people, this is just another version of the flu, there's no reason that things should be canceling, overreacting, but if you think about it, we really don't know what this is. If you read... I've read tons of stories over the last couple days. I've looked at like 15, 20 different outlets to get different information. And it's kind of all the same. They give you numbers of the cases and, and deaths that have happened now. But other than that, we don't know the lasting impact that this is going to leave. If you do get the coronavirus, what's going to happen, you know, 10 years down the road or anything like that, if it stays with you, if it impacts, you know, having kids or anything like that, we have no idea. So for me saying like, hey, stay in your house wash your hands, don't interact with a lot of people. I think that is a precaution. I don't think that's being in fear of life, and it sounds like you and other people that you talk to at Loyola kind of agree.
1: Yeah, we definitely do. Um, I mean... Royal is known for their nursing program, so I feel like a lot of people, and like I grew up, my mom has, she's been a pharmacist, like the whole time I've been alive, so I've been talking to her about a lot, she's worked in all different forms of healthcare, and basically like if we need to take these precautions, it's a a jumping off point, because we don't know exactly what is going to happen like you're correct there even if people my age aren't going to suffer from it like as much like they're going to get it uh, and then it's going to be like two weeks and then it's going to start to go away that's fine but like our grandparents people who have younger children those are the ones that are going to be affected the most so this is a situation in which. We really need to, at you know, we always talk about keeping the Jesuit values in mind, and in, in this situation, we really need to put others' safety first, because even though we may not be largely impacted, they definitely will, and it's way more dangerous for the older and younger generations.
0: Definitely. And as people our age, I'm probably like 10 years older than you. I'm in my 30s. You're in college. So little, little gap there. But right. The older ones, the younger ones, those are the ones that we have to think about, especially the older generation. I feel like they're getting hit the hardest. I mean, the country with the most fatalities is Italy, which is remotely known as, you know, somewhere where you would go to retire or just having an older generation feel to it. You know, us in our age are like, oh, you know, we're cool, but we have to think about everybody in a whole and in general. So like I said, if we can help by not mingling and, you know, not shaking everybody's hands and (laughs) making sure that we're taking care of ourselves like we should be doing anyway, why not? I mean, it is now it went from pandemic to a national emergency at the bank. I work at a bank in Mendota and we kind of stopped doing anything and watched Donald Trump have his conversation I'll call it a conversation I don't know if he was talking to anybody I'm just kidding I'm kidding (laughs) but his speech about the matter and he has doctors and other people come on and and speak to us and we're all just sitting there like man this is really happening like it come like a whirlwind for everybody so I don't think freaking out being crazy over dramatic about it is the way to go but I don't think that we should sit around and be like oh it's nothing we're just overreacting I don't think that's the way to go about it. Either I think being precautious and worrying about yourself and your family and your friends, obviously that is important, and I think that's the way to go about it.
1: Uh, yeah, I completely agree. My major at Loyola is advocacy and social change. And as terrible as the situation is, I feel like it's been a good—I this is gonna make it sound so small, but like a good exercise for me because I've really had to put my comfortable situation, like living in Chicago, getting to take these amazing classes. Yeah, that's going to be put on hold for a while, but I need to make sure that I keep in mind what good it will do for other people in the nation and in the world. And if that means leaving school a month and a half early, I mean, I feel like that's a small price to pay to like make sure that hospitals are overcrowded and it's not just like a festering wound that is just going to leave a giant scar on the world. And that was, I mean, it started, we have a really good program in Rome here at Loyola. We have a campus in Rome and they were the first ones to get sent home, I think maybe two weeks ago. And a lot of people were like, why are they sending them home? It just like, it's really hard to grapple with because especially for seniors and people that were studying abroad, i mean they're losing a huge chunk of what they could experience but i mean it's a good time to step back and look at things in a broader spectrum because even though it may not seem like a huge deal like you said we don't know yet and we need to take these precautions to make sure that it doesn't leave a huge mark on our world like different epidemics have in the past i mean in my history classes we were actually talking about like Well, maybe we should take this more seriously because we're studying, like looking back and seeing how terrible an impact that situations like these were, I mean, way long ago, but there's nothing that said that can't happen again. So we do need to take precautions and put others in our minds to prevent it from being a
0: huge disaster. And I totally agree. And when they were having the speech from governmental officials They stated, I can't remember her name. She was a doctor. She had stated talking about the HIV virus and AIDS, and it took them four years to put things into place to try to prevent it or try to stop it. And then it took like 11 years for medicines and treatments and things like that. So I will give them all the props in the world for what they're trying to do with this coronavirus and stop anything that they can right now. Mr. Trump, the president, we all have our, you know, opinions of what we think of him as a president, as a person, whatever. But he said quite a few times, like, hey, our process of going through things like this was so outdated and we had to change everything about how we were going to take care of this. I give him props, too. We can say what we want to about him, but he's been actually handling this and going about his business in a presidential matter, so I will I will give him props and in, in my, uh, con- I don't want to, thank yous? Yeah, I'll give him my thank you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I feel like actually a great correlation to this moment is talking and discussing like what happened during the AIDS epidemic. For a lot of people my age, like we were not around for that and we didn't see the lasting effects. Like, we see what's going on now, obviously, but uh, we weren't there during it all. And I know my mom was, and she she was in high school in the 80s, went to college in the 90s. She always, like, I remember being younger, and she would be just talking about how terrible it was and how hard people worked, even though it took a long time. I mean, it takes a long time. I mean, you've probably read this, but even if we came up with a vaccine for the coronavirus, it would take at least a year, probably a year and a half, to be able to open it to the public because it needs to go through testing. It's not a simple process, and we haven't had something like this happen in a long time. So I feel like the country is kind of swaying right now just because, like you said at the beginning, I mean, we've never, we haven't experienced something like this in a very long time, and we're in a new age. It's way different now, and we do need to adjust our systems to it.
0: Definitely. And we're talking about, you know, precautions and staying at home, washing your hands, hand sanitizer, stuff like that. The way I've been viewing it and looking at it is, you know, we're all supposed to wear our seatbelts every time we get in a car to prevent serious injury. If something were to happen in a car, I'm not going to try to be very visual here, but with the AIDS and STDs, we've been told and are you know, highly encouraged to wear condoms during sexual actions. I mean, those are preventions that are now normal to our everyday life. So, staying at home and not being around people, yeah, it's it's different, it's weird, but if it's going to keep me healthy, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. Just like wearing a seatbelt.
1: That's the whole thing. It needs to be preventative measures, and it's a weird adjustment. Like, I will not deny that this is a completely foreign idea to me. If washing your hands more than you already do and like making sure you don't go to huge like there's no huge public gatherings i mean that the rule here at loyola is nothing over 70 people but even then like they've just canceled everything i mean if that's what it takes to make sure that we don't fall into a bigger crisis than we're already in i think that that is pretty reasonable it's gonna suck to be going home and like having to sit there and just take my online classes, look at my teachers through my computer screen. Yeah, it's going to suck, but if it means that it's going to save lives and save the country and even the world, I'm definitely willing to do that.
0: Way to be a trooper, Olivia. (laughs) Definitely. And we kind of just hopped straight into this coronavirus thing, which has been cool. We've talked almost like 20 minutes just about this. Thank you again for joining us at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Definitely appreciate that. But let's kind of give like some background. So I know you from Putnam County High School. You were a state qualifier in track. You were a What have you been doing since then? Obviously, you're at Loyola studying some cool things and you're a member of the band.
1: So once I came to college, I made the conscious decision that... I had a successful track career in high school and I loved every minute of it. I loved my coach, Missy Carlson. Like I owe her so much for everything she's done for me. I loved my team. And I loved competing. But when I did come to college I made a conscious decision to go with part of my life that included music. It was just something that I had done since I was nine years old and I just, I have such a deep connection with playing the flute. I took lessons at Music Suite 408 under Sue Gillio. She's amazing and I actually am going to be talking to her soon. Since I cannot play in my wind ensemble, I really need to go back and I'm going to join the flute ensemble again to keep playing. But I decided to follow uh, my passion of music and also study advocacy and social change. It was probably about a month or two into my time at Loyola my freshman year that I discovered the Band of Wolves, which is our pep band, and we played all the men's and women's games. And I truly found my community in that. We have an outrageous amount of school spirit. We have a ton of fun. After every game, Porter Moser comes up to us or the men's game and just thanks us and It's a really cool experience to be able to bring that environment to the games. I really think that we bring something that the men and women's teams need um, because I feel like they really thrive off of the school spirit support. That's why our home games are so much fun because, I mean, as many people that can come will come. The student section is always filled out, and I love every minute of it. And, of course, when I came back for my sophomore year, I um, joined again. And I was the spirit leader this year, which, like, I was, <laughs> I was in charge of keeping everyone amped up and teaching the cheers, and I shared that role with a few other girls. I mean, it's really given me a community. The music community at Loyola has, it, it truly saved my life at one point, and it was really hard to say goodbye um, on Thursday with our last rehearsal. We played the music that we were going to be performing, and it was really hard, but, you no, know, get to see him again. I felt terrible for the seniors, but I know I'll get to play with them again, thank goodness. But and then outside of music, I've been studying advocacy and social change in the School of Communication here at Loyola. I really started to dive into the curriculum for that um, this year. I took classes under Dr. Elizabeth Lozano, and I really learned I mean, it was one of those classes where it was really fun to take, but it was not an easy A course. Like, the courses I've been taking, it takes a lot of practice to put yourself outside the situation, which is what I was mentioning earlier. Instead of just constantly saying what you believe, it takes a lot of listening to all different sides and then reconciling what you've heard, and I... I have enjoyed every minute I have been at Loyola. I mean, I had the adjustment that uh, most freshmen go through where you're like, oh, my God, I'm in this new place. I don't know what I'm doing. But I got over that. And by second semester of my freshman year, I was just totally in love with that. And this year, I've been living in our downtown campus in the Gold Coast right by Water Tower. I've just cherished every single minute. And I think that's what makes this so hard is that I truly love the Loyola community. I cherish every minute i'm in every class even if it's like something i don't really connect with like business statistics i'm still there and i'm trying to be present i'm really 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 gonna miss being here on campus but i know that in the fall they'll be waiting for me to start again
0: definitely couple questions out of your conversation right there how many instruments can you play
1: I primarily played the flute. I used to play the piano growing up, but at, once I started taking private lessons for the flute, it was just what I liked to do and I really connected with it. Um, I can't play the piccolo because it's very similar. It's just, as my instructor Sugilo used to tell me, it's a streaking twig and it's, <laughs> it, it's featured in a lot of what we do. I don't play it as much. I. Just really have connected with the flute. I've started taking courses under Janice McDonald in private lessons here at Loyola. I'm also going to miss, I can dabble in other instruments, but it is primarily the flute, and I'm not even going to pretend that it's not.
0: I'm going to hit you with a little piece of knowledge that a lot of people don't know. I was actually in the band from third grade to fifth grade, and I played the trombone.
1: Oh, you were a trombone player.
0: Yeah, I was that guy.
1: We love our brass players, I won't lie. I mean, trombone players are never afraid to go for it. That's what I've learned over the years.
0: Yeah, and what's pretty crazy is, you know, you said, oh, you're a trombone player, and, you know, kind of gave like a little characteristic of, you know, a stereotype of trombone players. If you look at a band, it is kind of crazy if you're in one that every single section, every single different instrument kind of has a stereotype of the kind of person that is playing that instrument. It's kind of weird.
1: Oh, 100%. Like, we may be different people, but when it comes down to it, like, flute, flute players are typically, like, uh, very type A and, like, very particular about sounding good, and then you have the trumpets that are just gonna go for whatever. <laughs> they're gonna
0: think that they're right no matter what. I love my trumpet players, but there is an ego aspect to it. The trumpet <laughs> players are like the three-point shooters that just keep chucking. Oh my
1: god, that is such a good analogy. <laughs>
0: definitely you can keep going you can keep saying the stereotypes i just thought i'd throw that out there because that's how i oh yeah
1: we had a surge of clarinet players this past year and i don't know there's something about clarinet players they're very subdued very poised and graceful we have the brass players they're very confident but they're very humble about it but they're not afraid to go for it we were supposed to play um the four dances from west side story uh at our concert in april during the mambo number those those trombones were ready to go like every single time and (laughs) <laughs> that's that's just why I reacted we were just talking about it when you said you're a trombone player we were just talking about that yesterday
0: one other thing I wanted to ask you if you could elaborate you said at one point you know your musician peers kind of helped you you know save your life is there a story behind that what were you exactly talking about oh
1: yeah I can definitely dive into that My first semester at Loyola, I feel like this is a common experience for college freshmen or even transfers into universities. It can be incredibly overwhelming. And when I first started, I had a huge case of imposter syndrome. I didn't feel like I was, even though I had gotten in here and gotten the scholarships I had gotten and worked so hard, I just felt like I didn't Deserved to be there. My grades were fine, but I just felt so outside of everything that was going on. And it's really hard to explain. Like looking back, I don't exactly know what what I was thinking, but I almost just dropped after first semester. I know a lot of people do. I just was so sad about, like, I missed my family. I missed my mom. I missed my dogs. I just, it was so different. Living in Putnam County and moving to Chicago is such a huge jump, and um, I didn't anticipate it to be so difficult, I think, and when it hit me, it hit me hard, and I really, like, I was in a state of depression for a, a while there, and I started to realize that the times when I didn't feel so low were when I was in my wind ensemble or with the band, I lived for going to the games with my band. And I mean, I could be crying all day and be upset and just feel like I'm failing. But as soon as I stepped into Genteel Arena and got to play with my band, I didn't even think about it. I mean, all my main friends are from my band. I can't really explain it, but there's just something about the music community and the Band of Wolves specifically. They're the ones that are going to say hi to you when you're walking to class on a Thursday. They're the ones that are going to show up to your fundraising event. And I am eternally grateful for the people I've met in my band because they really made me feel at peace and were the ones that made it so I did stay at Loyola and continue my journey in education, and I really, I can't even explain how grateful I am for that.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, you always need somebody, whether it's an individual or, you know, a little group or something like that to kind of band together and help you out at certain times i mean even me i think that i am uh pretty independent and i act like i don't need anybody most of the time but there is always instances where you need somebody you need a support system or a support group and i'm glad that you found one that has helped you through that difficult time and made you understand or realize the importance and the awesomeness of what you're doing so that's very very fantastic
1: Yes, thank you. I I completely agree. I'm also very independent and I try to do things like handle everything on my own. But I feel like this is a situation that a lot of people go through, not just college freshmen. It can be important to address that even people who are super successful and look like they have everything figured out, they usually don't. (laughs) And I mean, it's always good to check up on your friends and people you know who maybe are going through a big life change.
0: Well, now that you're at home, are you going to catch up on your favorite TV shows? Are you going to learn another cool trait or talent? Well,
1: my plan right now actually is kind of random. I'm going to be taking a test in order to be a registered and certified pharmacy technician (laughs) because I have worked as a pharmacy technician through high school and when I came home on breaks. But at a certain point when you're a pharmacy technician, you do have to take a test to keep working. Now is my time. (laughs) And of course, my license expires on April 1st, so it can be seen as a blessing that I am home and I can focus on that test for a little bit and once I have my license I'll be able to work at all the Walgreens and CVS's that I wish once I come back to Chicago which I plan on doing into the summer. I I love where I came from but I feel like it's time for me to start creating my own life and identity outside of the Illinois Valley. And I am going to try and get a job at a pharmacy here in Chicago and make it so I can follow my path and keep playing music and keep getting invested in these opportunities that I've already been presented.
0: You just made me smile for a couple different reasons. (laughs) 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 One is you know, trying to get out of the Illinois Valley and do your own thing. I did the same thing. I came back because my friends and, you know, I had job opportunities here, but I, I've been into Texas. I went to Carbondale where SIU and did my college career down there five hours away from the Illinois Valley, which I kind of purposely did to do that. Get out of here, go see different things, meet different people. That made me smile because that's awesome. I like that you (laughs) try to venture out and do something different. And if you like the small town life and like the Illinois Valley to come back, no no problem like that, but you at least took the initiative to see what else is out there. That made me smile. The, <laughs> s- the second thing that made me smile is you're being progressive. It seems like... You know, the world is ending, there's this coronavirus, schools are shut down, sports are shut down, life is shut down, everything is on a lockdown right now. But instead of just, well, I guess I'm just going to watch TV, I guess I'm just going to you know, put on 10, 15 pounds eating junk food, you know, whatever. You're like, no, I'm going to do something else that I should have done or that I want to do that is going to help me in life, whether it's just now during this crazy time we're going through or even in the future. So that made me smile also, Olivia. I like it, yeah. I like it. Yeah, thank you so much
1: um, for saying that. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing to have something to focus on, and I really just didn't want to come home and, like, waste away on Netflix. So that's the plan.
0: <laughs> and since we went into detail about your plans going on, what's going on, now we have to talk about junk food and Netflix. What do you watch on oh, Netflix? Yeah. <laughs> what do you watch on oh, Netflix? Oh,
1: man. What don't I watch on Netflix? So, of course, I am... A loyal watcher of The Office in Parks and Rex because I grew up on those.
0: I've seen every episode of both.
1: Yes, that's just, I rewatch them. It doesn't matter how many times I've seen them. It's, it's just, that's how it goes. But recently, I've been watching more like the murder of uh, the young boy Gabriel, uh, different crime shows. I am a killer making a murderer. I absolutely adore American Horror Story. I started watching it this fall, and I've made my mom watch it, even though it makes her uncomfortable, I can tell. I like creepy shows. I like horror movies. I'm hoping that I'm going to get to reconnect with some of my high school friends and, and watch some creepy disturbing things <laughs> just to take our minds off of everything and then immediately afterwards i will put on the office to clear my mind and that's usually how it goes
0: in any other time of life i would say okay i think olivia's got some issues we might need to call somebody to go talk to her Maybe a counselor, <laughs> something like that but i totally understand <laughs> where we're at right now <laughs> oh god <laughs> That's awesome. If you've not checked them out, I am kind of also into that. Uh, I guess we'll call it the murder genre because there is all kinds of stuff on Netflix and it's really, really interesting to watch. I don't know if you have seen, I'm not going to say the full name because I try not to cuss on here, keep it PG. But uh, Don't Mess With Cats, have you seen that? Oh
1: my god, I have seen that. It tripped me up so hard. I don't remember why I binge-watched it. I don't know if it was A Long Weekend or something. But I could not believe that I had not heard of the happenings in that show before. It was kind of... It was insane, the things that I had never heard of happening in that.
0: Yeah, I had never heard of the case at all. The amount of detail and time that these people put in, just normal people, have normal jobs, one worked at a casino, things like that. Normal people, normal lives, when they would leave their job or whatever, would like dedicate themselves to trying to find this killer off of a video on YouTube. It just blew my mind. Oh yeah, they
1: definitely had social justice spirit in them i deeply admired the people that even in in situations like where they knew that the the bad guy of the film even when they knew that he knew who they were and where they were from it didn't stop them they kept going and i was really amazed by it
0: yeah totally crazy there's another one that i watched not too long ago it's i think like 40 minutes it's a quick watch it's called the long shot have you heard of it
1: I've seen it on my recommendations, but I have not watched it. It's pretty solid.
0: I won't uh, give you, you know, everything that happens, but this guy is thought to be a murderer of this young girl. I think she was like 18, young 20, something like that. Anyway, she was connected to his brother. So they thought that he had killed her in like some kind of revenge or something like that. But in the case, he is at a Dodgers game. And he's like, I couldn't have been. I was at a Dodgers game. They didn't believe him. Well, Curb Your Enthusiasm, the show with Larry David, who is also the creator of Seinfeld, was shooting at that game, that particular Dodgers game, in the middle of a season, was filming his show there, and they caught the guy on video. Oh, my God. (laughs) So crazy. The craziest. That's insane. Like, like what are the chances? Like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just mind-blowing again. So I would check that out if you want to. 40 minutes, it's a quick watch. Right on. I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're watching Netflix, I mean, what are some of your top junk food choices? We'll start with candy. What's your favorite candy?
1: Well, I have always loved gummy bears, and all through high school, that's what people got me. Raven performances and everything, and at one point, I had just hordes of gummy bears, so I took a break from the gummy bears for a little bit. Um <laughs> And then afterwards, I I am very very much a lover of Kit Kats. I don't know if it's it's the crunch that is in them, but I I have a deep love for the Kit Kats.
0: Did you have to go through gummy bear AA meetings? Oh, yep. It,
1: it, they were in the church basement, all, like once a week. We talked about how it was kind of taking over our lives, and we had to step back.
0: That is fantastic. I'm glad that they had a support <laughs> group for you like that. <laughs> So while you were at these meetings, was it like strawberry milk or cups of coffee? What, what helped you through that?
1: Oh, it was definitely cups of lukewarm coffee. When the bakeries are closing and they start to give you discounted pastries and donuts and things, a lot of those.
0: You've had support groups for everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. All right, we have to go to chips. I'm a big fan of yes. potato chips. What is your favorite?
1: Oh my gosh, so recently I have been introduced to the world of Flaming Hot Funyuns. Oh, those they are, are
0: fantastic!
1: They are not good first date food, but oh my god, if you're chilling alone, watching some American Horror Story or The Office or various murder shows, those things, they, they slap.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I also enjoy some Flaming Hot Funyuns. Yes. I used to be a big Dorito guy, but I've kind of, I had to go to, you know, Dorito AA meetings and push myself away.
1: You have to grow out of things like that sometimes.
0: You do. You do. (laughs) Now I'm into uh, pretzels and dipping them in mustard. That's my thing.
1: Oh, that's the move. I like that.
0: Yep. That's the thing to do. Soda. What kind of soda are you drinking?
1: I am just a classic lady and I drink Coca-Cola. That's my
0: move. Perfect. I'm a Diet Coke kind of guy.
1: Oh, yeah. My mom and her boyfriend, I hang out with them a lot when I'm home, and he will get the variety pack, he drinks the diet, I'll drink the regular.
0: That's the way to go. That's the way to go. <laughs> and it's weird because it's not like, you know, I'm a bigger guy, so it's not like I'm trying to crazy lose weight or anything. I just like the taste of Diet Coke. I like it better than Coke and pretty much every other soda.
1: Oh, yeah. I th- That's the case with a lot of, like, I have a coworker, Kelly Osla, and I always, like, whenever I'm going to Casey's or something, if I'm working at home, I'm like, do you want a Diet Coke? I'll get you Diet Coke.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. Very cool. I'm trying to think of some more junk food. Oh, I mean, you got to like ice cream, right?
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I love ice cream. Favorite flavor. Oh, God. Oh, God. What's it called? Do You know how Ben and Jerry's have, like, for some reason, they have flavors for, like, talk show hosts?
0: (laughs) Yeah, they do.
1: It's like, I want to say it's like something about the Tonight Show, but basically it is vanilla ice cream with caramel swirls and like chocolate waffle cones in it.
0: I might have to go get some. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> Favorite pizza topping?
1: Oh, okay. Here's a weird one. And everyone always like gives me a dirty look when I, I love Canadian bacon on my pizza. Like. It is my favorite thing, and I don't know why. Like, it couldn't have been sausage or pepperoni. No, it had to be Canadian bacon. And, like, some people argue that it's also ham. Yeah, whatever. But I prefer the term Canadian bacon.
0: It just sounds cooler. Yes, it really does. What do you have on your pizza? Ham or Canadian bacon? Canadian bacon.
1: Exactly! That's what I'm saying. I,
0: you get it. I do. I do. When I was going through college and all that stuff, and I needed some finances to support life, I worked at Pizza Hut, and I was a huge fan of Canadian bacon and pineapple and black olives. I know that sounds crazy weird, but it's fantastic.
1: Don't knock it till you try it. There are some funky food combinations that I wish to try before before I leave this world. <laughs>
0: Definitely. Well, that's one that you have to try. I'm just saying. I'm on it. Perfect. And if you like the crunch, like you were talking about with Kit Kats, have the Canadian bacon, pineapple, and black olives on a thin crust pizza. It's fantastic.
1: Well, I'm all about the thin crust. That's the funny thing. I live in Chicago. I I live and breathe Chicago culture. Everyone's always like, what's your favorite pizza that you've got in there? Like my mom's boyfriend is always like, oh, what kind of deep dish? And I'm sitting here like, no, no, no. The best pizza I have ever had is Ollie's Pantry Pizza in Granville, Illinois. And I can't explain why, but that's just how I feel about it.
0: <laughs> that is probably the craziest thing I've heard. That's insane. <laughs> you didn't go with Giordano's. You didn't go with the millions of pizza places in Chicago. And I've ate at quite a few of them. You're like, no, nope, yeah. no, nope, the one in, in Granville, it's it's that. Yep. <laughs> what can I say? I'm
1: loyal to my county, I suppose.
0: That's fantastic. Awesome. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I don't
1: know. I I really feel like I I said way more than I anticipated. I'm having
0: a good time. Yeah, I love, honestly, I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't start doing this earlier. This podcast has been so much fun. I've never had a bad review. I've never had anybody say, man, I can't believe I just wasted my time talking to Brandon. It has been really, really awesome to do this.
1: No, I love it. Yeah, I'm in a school of calm, and I love podcasts, and I am so excited that (laughs) you're doing one, and I'm on it. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I'll put it up for you, and you can listen to it anytime you want to.
1: Awesome. Amazing. I'm going to be sharing it everywhere and be like, look at this. I'm so important.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That will be cool. I'm going to leave all this on there, just to let you know
1: oh right on okay let's just boost my ego a little bit more we definitely need that
0: (laughs) (sighs) you just forced me to laugh right into a cough that's amazing you know that's a great laugh when that can happen
1: (laughs) i'm glad i could entertain you amid the epidemic (laughs) (laughs)
0: right (laughs) oh that's so crazy Well, Olivia, it has been awesome chatting with you. I am glad that, you know, before the coronavirus hit us all, that you were doing some amazing things with your life, and I'm sure you're going to continue that. Sounds like you already have a plan in process while we have to kind of take a break from our normal lives. So while you're trying to get back to regular scheduled programming, sounds like you got things going on, and I'm really excited for you. And like I said, you put a couple smiles on my face. So thank you, Olivia.
1: Thank you so much.